Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. Jesus said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Genesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about the whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages or cities or farms. They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When we meet up with the disciples this week in our text this morning, they are just returning from a mission that Jesus had sent them on. He sent them all out into the neighboring towns and villages, telling them, take nothing with you but your common sense and wits. No extra shoes, no extra cloak, no food, no bag, no provisions whatsoever. And heal the sick. Cast out demons, talk about the kingdom of God, anoint with those who need healing and hope and wholeness. It was grueling work with no provisions and without the, the help of Jesus, and it was hard enough work that it surely tested their bodies and their faith. And they come this morning back and they tell Jesus of all that they did in his name. And certainly they must have looked a mess tired and exhausted because Jesus looks at them and says, you guys need a rest and some food. So come away to a deserted place by yourselves and get that rest for a while. For Jesus says that many were coming and going and these people had no leisure even to eat. And for me, it is like, Jesus tells us we get to rest and eat. Yes. I love this text. So they get in the boat and they get on their way to their well-deserved retreat, their rest, and their meal. It is a great plan, a well-deserved plan. It's a thought-out plan, and, it even, and this plan is even what Jesus wants for them. It reminds me of other plans that are made. It reminds me, actually, of this little town in Turkey called Burj al-Bavis. I am certain that is not how the Turks pronounce that, so someone look that up when they get home. 
It is filled, though, with these tiny little personal Disney-like castles. You know that castle in Disney? It's actually based off a, can a castle in New Schwanstein in Germany, and these little castles are based on those. More than 500 of these personal little castle homes were built with royal blue steeples and ornate scalloping along the window frames, and they were built in 2014. Look at all, there's more than 500 of them. Built in 2014, completed in 2014 by the Yardellen brothers. These are construction entrepreneurs who envision them as luxury vacation homes. But guess what? Ten years later, here they sit, completely empty. Not the result of poor planning or improper construction or shady dealings. No, by all accounts, the Yardellen brothers were honest brokers. Straight shooters, hard workers. Now, they sit empty because if you'll remember, back in 2014, the global economy collapsed. And their country fell into political turmoil. And for reasons outside of their control, not a single one of these houses were bought or occupied. Now, the tiny little town of empty pretty castles only draws voyeuristic visitors like me on the internet looking to explore a sort of eerie ghost town, a monument to the human condition we so often find ourselves in. All our best laid plans matter very little when forces outside our control have their say. Empty castles. Have you ever been there? Are you there right now? Maybe you can identify in simple, not altogether serious ways. You plan all week for your vacation. You get the car all packed. You have the cat sitter all lined up, kids in their car seats, coffee in the cup holder, and front tire goes flat. Or someone needs a diaper change. Car won't start. Best laid plans foiled. Or maybe, brothers and sisters, you can identify or you know folks in your life that you love who can identify in heartbreaking, more serious ways. A retirement worked for, planned for, dreamt of, comes to fruition only to have illness strike. Or a family that you prayed for, worked for, planned on, dreamt of. You're given only to have job loss, mental health crisis, or accidents threaten to undo everything. Best laid plans, castles built, foiled, now empty. That is the turn this text is going to take with the disciples as well. They are on their way by themselves to this delightful, deserted place to rest and to eat with Jesus. But the text says all kinds of people saw them going. And so they rushed ahead of them to that place and they beat them there. And when Jesus pulls the boat up to the shore, sees the crowd there, he doesn't think about the plans he made for the disciples, and he doesn't regroup and, oh, let's turn the boat around and head to another deserted place where he knows they'll be able to rest and eat. No. Instead, he sees the crowd, and he has compassion for them because they are like sheep without a shepherd, because they needed him. 
because the disciples on the boat had access. They do have access to him. They have access to mercy and peace and healing. They have what they need, but the ones on the shore do not have that. So pretty as those castles are, awesome as this retreat that he has planned, perfect as the plans that we make for ourselves, as well-deserved as the life we build for ourselves might be, this text tells us that's not where Jesus is going to be today. Now Jesus, brothers and sisters, hear me when I say this. Jesus certainly has no problem, none, no problem giving us good things. On the contrary, he wants the disciples to have rest and food and the peace that they have worked for. It's his idea, and he is the one that has helped them to get it for goodness sake. He's the one who suggests that they enjoy what they have worked for. He's the one that gets them in the boat and steers it. But that's not where Jesus is going to stay. He sees what they don't. He sees what sometimes we cannot see. He can see from his vantage point all the sheep, not just the ones safely in the fold. And he never loses sight of where all his people are and what all his people are experiencing. And that should not surprise us that Jesus can see the big picture because this is the Lord that we are talking about who from the cross can see at a height and a distance that we absolutely need him to see from because it is him who recognizes that we are helpless before God when it comes to matters of eternal salvation and justifying ourselves there at the last. And it is for Jesus' sake that God chooses to look at his body on the cross rather than our body of work in these lives that we have to give to God. Now that is the big picture, right? That is the big theological idea that underpins us. That heaven and hell and salvation talk. And it is important. But this text tells us that Jesus can also acutely see into one life. Jesus can see what we are sometimes also helpless before God to see. And that is that we are helpless before God, here and now also. We also need Jesus here and now when the chaos of this world or of these broken bodies that do not do what they are supposed to do lay to waste all of our best laid plans. And the fact that Jesus bails on this retreat and instead goes to where the broken and hurting are, tells us this one very real and important truth about the Lord we follow. And that is this. Jesus goes not to where life is, but where life needs to be. Now what does that look like? I will tell you, I'm in little clergy groups and we critique each other's sermons. And so right now the big debate is, does Candace Wassell preach too many first-person stories about her family? So some of my colleagues suggested I change the names of people so that you all don't think I'm so self-centered. So the story I'm going to tell you this morning is about a friend I'll call my mom. <laughs> I mean, what do these colleagues of mine know anyway, right? 
<laughs> so my parents have been, I crack myself up. All right. <laughs> so my parents have been married for 45 years now. God bless them. But as you have heard me talk about before up here, the very first years were really hard because my, da my dad struggled with alcoholism. And years and years and years ago, as I'm starting up my own family, and I realized how hard it is just to take care of this one helpless little baby, I asked her, I said, how, how did you do it in those first years without ditching Dad? And what kept you in it and sane? She had so much pressure on her plate. She had three little kids that she was just trying to keep safe and cared for. And in the middle of that alcoholism my father was enmeshed in, my, little bro my big brother had a very serious surgery as an infant that he had to endure and then I had a really serious bout of pneumonia that hospitalized me as a baby and I just wondered mom how did you cope and she said to me that day she said okay it was really really hard and I will be honest there were times when I thought about leaving and that your dad would not make it through this but she said she could point to one moment that helped her and this is what the moment looked like she said it was a uh, particularly rough night in their lives that day. She had worked all day. God bless my mom. She worked full-time, and then she also cleaned offices on the weekends. Um, she had worked all day, and my dad, of course, was out drinking that night. And she had just gotten us three kids down to sleep, which you know is a feat. And she walks into the kitchen to see this huge mess. And for whatever reason, at that moment, it was all too much, and she just broke down sobbing. Head in her hands, bawling her eyes out. And she just, she could not go on. Or she didn't even know what step to take to go on. And she said after a bit of this just absolute sobbing her eyes out, she felt something. She felt a hand on her back. And it guided her around the kitchen and first it pushed her to the kitchen table to get the dishes and then it pushed her to the sink and she started washing them and then pretty soon after a little while it just pushed her to put the dishes away and then it said all right pushed her to the fridge and she got a little bit to eat and then it pushed her to bed so she could get her rest and she said i knew it was god telling me to keep going and that he was there and I, in the worst moments of your dad's alcoholism, I hung on to that moment, and it got me through the hardest times, and here we are. Now, brothers and sisters, that is not my faith. It is not how I have experienced God in my life. It's not how I ever expect to experience God in my life. That is not how God has comforted me. But I have seen you put your hand on the back of each other. And I have seen husbands put their hands on the back of wives getting news in hospital rooms. And I have seen you put the hands on the back of your parents who need help getting up the stairs. So I don't doubt her, not for one minute. I don't doubt that Jesus' hand was on her back. Because it is what our Lord Jesus promises us here, and it is what I have seen in this place. He promises to see us throughout the whole of our lives. He for sure, he will absolutely for sure see us to green pastures and still waters, but he will especially see us in the darkest valleys and in the shadows of death. 
And he promises here not to just see us, but to be so moved by compassion to draw near enough that we can feel his presence. That we can grab the fringe of his cloak. Now what does that mean for us here sitting in these church pews? It means that we take our rest. We enjoy our food. We allow the relaxation we have earned to recharge us and give us peace. And then we look to the shore and we see who is standing there still and we get back to it. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you. And I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.